Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're coming to you after uh, Wolves three, Liverpool nil. Another new low. How many? How many new lows have we had this season? Um, it's just myself, Dave Dunning, and Jay Reid. Uh, we're going to look at that like very, very briefly. Um, we'll look to Sean Dice's Everton. Um, and in the middle, we'll probably talk just a lot about Manchester City. Um, so, Jay, yeah, it's every time you think you've climbed a little bit of a mountain and made a little bit of an improvement and incremental gain, somehow we managed to sink to even lower depths two or three games later. Are these mountains you're referring to just like oh, molehills? <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like, but it is a mountain we've got to climb. But like, we're we're up the first hundred meters, is what I'm trying to say. You know, we barely left base camp, have we? Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you, you like you you put your coat on and got your backpack half one one strap on one shoulder. Yeah, and then the avalanche comes. Yeah, um, yeah, and you just think, fuck this, what am I doing? Um, yeah. And we, we said just before we recorded, you didn't watch the Wolves game because you were preoccupied by Egg Jason. And I watched 20 minutes because I decided going and doing the food shop was a better idea on a Saturday afternoon than watching Liverpool. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 to be fair, it's, it's hard to watch a three o'clock kickoff, um, especially when you're running after a two year old. So it was just, it was easier. And the decision was made so much easier by the situation around the minute you know i've got to, I've got to manage my own mental health at the same time i literally watched that 20 minutes of football over the weekend that is it i didn't watch well, why would i want to watch Everton? <laughs> um especially when they won against arsenal and then i just couldn't be fucked with football anymore like i think dave Carden checked out some football about 18 months ago or something like that and he's towing the line like i'll give up with football until next season or whatever and I think we were all pretty much jumping on this train slowly especially with Liverpool um, you know Andy Bell for his sins loves an away game and you know fair play to the lad if he's willing to <laughs> sacrifice his soul to Molyneux on a Saturday afternoon he's got more more bottle than I have and maybe a little less sense <laughs> more money than he should have um, but you know someone's got to follow the team and fair play to those lads that do um, it's been a hard watch this year especially if you do go to the away games and I'm not even looking forward to the derby next Monday and we're going to discuss that at the end of the pod but yeah I've been back in work this week and needless to say it's amazing what a win can do for confidence and they they are climbing the mountain while we are very much down in the doldrums Yeah, there is some good news. Um, there are some, like let's be honest, really key players, and this this might we might be we might be looking at this through a lens of purely performance. But if we're all honest with ourselves, there are and have been. A number of key players missing for a considerable length of times. Van Dijk has been out. Um, who looks like he's close to being back. He's trained. Firmino for for all of his detractors at the minute. 
in my eyes, we've looked the best version of ourselves when he's been on the pitch this season. Um, Jota, again, we all know what he brings back training. And again, Diaz looks like he's not too far away. So, you know, this will help. Um, probably worth stressing that none of those players are midfielders, but, um, you know, it should hopefully at least inject some sort of familiarity into the team and maybe a little bit more cohesion. Yeah, I think, you know, if we're all being honest with ourselves, our last probably decent performance was the City game way back in October. Um, and I'll just run through the lineup in that team. So we had Allison in goal, uh, Robertson left back, James Milner famously right back, Van Dijk and Gomez in the middle. Uh, midfield of Thiago and Fabinho in a two, I think it was. Elliot playing more off the right hand side of midfield as a you know orthodox right side of midfield, another winger or a, a number eight, and Jota playing more from the left. Firmino playing off Mo Salah, I think it was. Um, that I've just gone through the team as it's listed, so I, I can vaguely remember how we thought formation was, and we looked solid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and yeah, just go through that. We're that missing was, a hell of a lot. Yeah, and and that was probably like the most familiar setup we've seen this season. You know, the closest. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that's the closest version from, I would say, not even a personnel wise, but from a tactical perspective, of what has come before it last year, season before, season before. Yeah. I think it was more like we just looked so much more structured in terms of, you know, we had we had two lads in midfield and at that point Fabinho's legs weren't completely shot to pieces. They were just breaking apart. And Jotter and Elliot Wide did the job of wide midfielders and helping the fullbacks and, you know, Bobby linking the midfield and the attack. And I think, I don't know if it's a correct start. Someone will, will probably know this more than I will, but I hear something from the other day that we've not had the same back four for like a, a large period of games. It could have even been all season. I could I could be wrong on that, but you know, if you constantly look at our back line, it's always changing. Whether it's you know a full back in, a full back out, or a centre half in, a centre half out, and you know just just looking at that lineup from that City game, like Milner, Robertson, Van Dijk, and Gomez, and you know, on, on current form, like, you know, you, you'd probably be saying, well, neither, none of them lads are really, you know, setting well, the world. Like, I know we're missing. Half, I know we're missing. Half a recognizable back for that. Yeah, but if that lined up for us, you know, looking slightly ahead into the derby and Virgil was back with Gomez and Milner right back and Robertson left back, you know, this probably shows how far we've fallen that we'd probably be thinking, you know what, that's pretty solid, that we'll take that. Because no one else is really setting the word late and we've just got to go with what we go, uh, what we've got, um, sorry. So it, it it it's a sort of sad situation that we're in, that you look at like what is a makeshift back four of maybe one or two lads who would be you know nailed on in anyone's certain back four. Yeah. But say that is probably the best we can put out there at the moment. Yeah, I think I think I saw I think I saw a statistic that we have made, and I think this is before the weekend, but seventeen changes in the back line this season. Um, and we've played what twenty games or something like that, is it? Well, I think this is I think this is an all competition, so maybe something like thirty games. 
given cups in your six Champions League matches. So even still, though, you know that is that is no platform for success yet. No, no, it's. I mean, you lads touched on structure last week. Like, it's a key way that literally runs through the whole team, the whole club. Um, the structure is shot to pieces uh, at the moment, and I think I, you know, everyone, if you're deeply honest with yourself, is you've got to be saying like. What goes off on off the pitch is clearly reflecting what's going on on the pitch. And if there's instability, you know, in, in the back room and you know upstairs and whatever else, then it, it's showing on the pitch. We we've not got a structure. We've not got a solid lineup. And the fact that we can't even string together the same team like three or four games in a row, like we all know there is a rotation sort of policy and Klopp will like to chop and change and maybe throw the odd player in here and there but if we're all honest with ourselves the best run of form we had was when we pre- pretty much knew nine out of the 11 players who were starting for us and the other two positions were maybe just the odd rotation here and there maybe someone in the midfield or occasionally in the forward line when we actually did have a little bit of strength and depth but even going back to you know 2018-19 the forward line picked itself and the rest of the team pretty much picked itself. Yeah, and you know, a lot's been made of um, what the impact of last season had on this squad, and we've obviously had a number of situations like that. You know, we've lost out on three league titles by a combined total of four points. Um, Champions League defeats, two finals, um, League Cup defeats um, by City, Europa League, or UEFA Cup or whatever it was back then, final defeats. and We've always managed to, to come away um, from those adversities and, and channel that positively. But there is a threshold that any individual has and, and, and therefore that any group has. And potentially, based on some people's opinions, has been eroded away, particularly after last season. And, you know, that brings us to the situation that has come to light with the charges that have been brought to Manchester City this week. Um, And if we talk about fine margins, um, there are no finer margins than, than how we've conceded those three league titles to Manchester City. And that, you could argue, Jay, um, if these allegations are proven and we're being very by the book and very legal and very above board here, right? (laughs) For once. For once. (laughs) But but we will certainly um, intimate that we're convinced from our own personal opinion that these allegations have, you know, they've got, They've got legs, you know. These are not brought to a football club with any sort of uncertainty or ambiguity about them. And that could have had a greater impact on us than just in way of trophies. Yeah, I think the fact it's taken this long for the report, would you say? to come out 
um, and you know the book to be put down on the table and say like, well, this is what we are charging you for. Um, it's over a hundred counts, I think, uh, at last sort of notation of it. Um, you know, it, the Premier League have done what what you would imagine is a very extensive investigation, not the sort of one that's left many stones left unturned um, when you compare it to those that were done by UEFA and you know I think we can all agree on the fact that some investigations and some of the goings on at UEFA aren't exactly above board and all legal and, and fan, fancy whatever and else but that's by the by they, they dodged that one and by all accounts reports coming out from well-sourced journalists in the media who know what they're talking about and are well-educated on this sort of department of the game have pretty much pointed to the fact that it doesn't look like they're going to get away with this one. Um, it is going to get messy. I think if we just give a quick summary in, in general, we, we can't imagine this is going to be done and dusted in the next you know week or two. It's going to drag out. It's going to you know cause a lot of a lot of stare in the football world, but I think if we were to give just a quick sum up, this is so important for the game of football because it's set to precedent now. If if Man City are found guilty of the allegations and they've cheated and they've money laundered the way to success and then they get away with it, it basically just opens the floodgates for, you know, anybody to do that sort of business however if the are severely punished and you know titles are stripped i'm not not saying titles should be awarded to us as much as you know other liverpool fans might think well had we not had man city flaunting the system then you know maybe we would have been a few more titles in tow it that's you know for other people to decide and discuss but you know if they were severely treated and given the punishments that's happened in other countries and other leagues and looking at, you know, Serie A with Juventus and the SPFL, if it is, in Scotland with Rangers, and those two teams would send to the bottom of the football divisions in their respective countries, you know, it, it would then set a precedent where you can't do this in the game and other clubs around us the league and other clubs around Europe would then be looking at themselves and saying, well, hang on a minute, can we carry on with our current policies? Because if we're totally honest, not everybody is operating a squeaky clean. Um, no, that's that's book. true, Jay. But you know, there have been precedents that have been set that have been set. Um we've seen what's happened to Juventus this season. Um you know find the dot fifteen points. Um you know, you mentioned Celtic Rangers. Rangers were like relegated, you know, numerous divisions. I don't even know how many. League um, two of Scotland. Do you know? And that is that is a precedent that has been sent by um, football associations that make sure they hold the clubs to the standards and rules and regulations that are set. Now, we don't have to agree with the rules. And people will say, well, why can't such and such spend what they're going to spend? And that's fine. The issue here is, for me, that FSG, for, for whatever their flaws 
might be, they came in to this business, if you want, but certainly this sport and this setup with those financial regulations in place to know that there were there were there were limits and you know constraints and rules that teams had to abide by so that this huge financial muscle couldn't make it pointless for everybody else and basically remove let's be honest here remove the element of competition now if it is deemed that those have been circumvented by Manchester City then that has completely undermined their project. And you can imagine there potentially could be uh, lawsuits involved, not just from the FA or the Premier League or whoever else, but potentially from Liverpool. And multiple of the clubs. Because, you know, if, if you've been honest in saying what Man City have done as severely tip the scales in their favour due to the way they can, you know, recruit players, the way they can, you know, operate and build their squad, then they've obviously not done it just against Liverpool. Like Liverpool have been their closest competitor for the last four, five, six years or whatever. Um the you know, every other team in the league has then got an argument. And then, you know, you could be looking at teams that have been relegated because of, you know, they might have went down by point or two and you know they would argue had they have you know maybe got a point or two against Manchester City then they might have stayed in the league like it, it could just be an absolute can of worms that's opened if 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 the case is proven and I don't know where it'd stop and you know I think it this is why it's it's such a huge moment in, in English football because it it can swing the, the scales one way or the other. It can open the floodgates or it can attempt to try and sort of stem the flow. I don't think you'll ever, you know, stop ownerships of clubs these days, you know, finding ways to get money into the club. Like, you know, I think you'd have to be a fool to say, like, how are Chelsea doing what they're doing? Like, I know there's ways with amortisation and, you know, clever transfer and an accountant, but, the amount of money they're pumping into to that club at the moment, like does raise a few eyebrows, just just them alone, and then you know that that doesn't even turn the eyes towards what's going on in the northeast with Newcastle and you know the the ownership model behind them and what could potentially become of them. I think they they're probably now sat there if you're Newcastle's ownership group looking and saying, "Hang on a minute, we could be." shut down before we even get going here or are we now just going to sit back on on our haunches and just see what comes of this because we're going to have to be clever and if we are going to continue to to invest money into Newcastle then we're going to have to find another way and there will be another way like let's not kid ourselves that there's that many loopholes in in accountancy and football that there will be another way but it's it's such a key moment in in deciding how the game is probably going to go because you know the, there was a huge uproar last week over you know potential investments in Liverpool with Qataris and you know certain sections of the fan base arguing for it and certain sections of the fan base arguing against it and you know 
there would be an argument to say, well, if you're going to just allow money to just come into the game and wherever it comes from, and you can just spend however much you want, then there would be like probably a more louder voice where people say, well, let, hang on, let's get our own sugar daddy or let's get our own dirty money state involved. If we want to compete, then we're going to have to, to join the dirty wagon. And that's not what you want to be doing. You wanted to, as you say, like, try and go for the fairest route possible, try and have a, you know, an equal opportunity for everyone. Um, and as you said, that's what FSG probably came into this game thinking that's how they were going to operate because they've come from American sports where parity is the name of the game. And if your team isn't having a good season, then the chances are in two or three years, you know, you, you could have a good season because there's parity, there's... There's wage caps, there's, you know, spend limits. Um, there's obviously, like, the draft system rather than the transfer system and stuff like that. So they probably approached it with, you know, more of an American sport mindset and thinking, well, if we can go into this with a set of rules and clearly we've been, you know, ruled against by another club or another set of clubs who were clearly flaunting them, then, you know, what else can we do? Our hands have been tied and we've been denied the right to to compete fairly when actually, you know, if we had Man City competing on a fair level and basis, then if we're all honest with ourselves, we probably would have had a few more trophies in the bank. Yeah, and, you know, as you already said, we've kind of seen this with FSG as well, that American approach where you can't tank a season and the next year or the year after you're right back at the top again you know that old expression if you're if you're standing still you're going backwards it doesn't really apply to American sports but we've seen with teams before and you know Arsenal are a really good case in point here Manchester United and ourselves you know when you do kind of drop out of that top tier of teams because Football essentially is global um, and you don't have the regulations in place to, as you rightly say, bring parity and a level of competition to the sport. Then It can take you years and sometimes decades to get back in there. And sometimes you never do. You know, it's it's 40 years ago, Aston Villa won, won the European Cup, you know. This is this is what we're talking about. Even on a you know a lesser scale, you could look at Leeds. Like they were out the Premier League for sixteen years because obviously there was financial mismanagement in the club. But um, the ironic thing here, the ironic thing here is, Jay, and this is the ironic thing, they found themselves in that situation because there was no regulations. Yeah. And that's but, the opposite end of the scale where clubs can be allowed to spend so far beyond their means that it actually puts the the future of the club in jeopardy. And they tanked because there were no regulations that they had to adhere by. But also, and again, this comes back to City, the fact that the regulations weren't there allowed them to spend astronomically beyond their means. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to make a point of when you do, you know, you do fall behind through, through whatever reasons that lead to that. Obviously, they were financially mismanaged and 
severely, you know, punished for it and, and like having to, you know, basically bankrupt the club near enough to a point. But going down out the Premier League is is a similar sort of, you know, comparison to once you fall out the top tier of clubs in the Premier League and out the European competitions, then it can be a long old struggle. Like it took them sixteen years to get back up. And you know, if if you look compared it to like what is going on like the top end of the Premier League, you look at, as you say, Arsenal, it's taken them what, four, five years or so to get well, they're not even back in the Champions League yet. Um they've got to get back in next season, but this will be like four or five years since they were last in it because I, of the I way they were. Even, I honestly think it's even more than that, Jay. I think they had a, a season with Emery. I could be wrong. But, you know, they, they've been knocking on the door of Europa League football. They, was it last season they had none at all? Um, you know, compare that to where we are now. It could be a, a case for an argument that given our current position in the league, we wouldn't be in European football unless, you know, something dramatic happened in the Champions League. But would it be a bad thing for us to reset because of where we currently are, this current state of the the club off the field and on the field? Would it be a bad thing if we tanked the season? Not necessarily that we want to, but then we didn't have Europe next year and we could maybe press the reset button. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did touch on Arsenal last week and what they've had to do to get back here, but it it is actually six years since Arsenal have been in the Champions League. This is their sixth season um, without Champions League football. Um, and we all know the financial impact that, that has on clubs that adhere to the rules. And, you know, this with Manchester City, Jay, they, they will go on doing what they're doing. I kind of sense that maybe they thought this was coming over the hill, which is why they've offloaded a pair of players uh, this season. You know, with Sterling sold, Jesus is sold. Hasn't really been their style before to offload players for fees. Sané, I think, you know, a couple of years ago. And this, generally what they did was they just let players get to the point where, like Fernandinho, for example, Aguero, Zavaleta, um, Yaya Toure, where they didn't need to sell these players to reinvest the money because it was there anyway. Um, and this looks like it's not, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. They will continue to try and present a more legal approach um, over the next few years to strengthen their argument because this will take, you know, maybe a couple of years of court cases, then, you know, even if they're found guilty, there will be appeals to that. God knows how long that's going to take. Now, what I will say is, from what I've seen, is that, A, I don't think there is, I don't think this can be brought to cast. Yes. And the other issue is the previous case that was brought against City by UEFA um, it wasn't actually disproved they weren't found not guilty the evidence that was brought forward was as it's called time barred as our good friend Tango informed us of earlier on in the group which meant 
the infraction happened too long ago for it to be considered, which seems bizarre to me. That factor is also not a case in this investigation. So you would feel that this has a bit more strength than the previous um, UEFA case that was brought. I think from that UEFA case, and, and as you pointed on, like in recent times, the they've looked to sort of give the impression that they're trying to balance the books. So obviously, you know, questioning point Erling Haaland's transfer that, you know, Man City will, fans and associates will tell you it cost them, was it like 50 million quid for Erling Haaland when everyone else knows, like the reality is. It oh, less cost, than Darwin Nunez, yeah. Less than Darwin Nunez, all in all. And like, it's it's probably cost triple that just to get him to the club, and then that doesn't include the astronomical wages. If of course, you know, those wages are all above board and correct, and being paid into one bank account, um, they've tried to like give the impression. You know, we, we did sell Gabriel Jesus, we did sell Raheem Sterling. You know, we we have offloaded players, Alexander Zinchenko as well. Um, you know, and then therefore we would have we were able to buy in. The likes of you know Alvarez last January, but came in the summer. Um, Harland, who else did they bring in this season? Akanji and Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips, and he brought in one more. Um, oh, is that fullback? Of course, probably. <laughs> uh, oh, it's uh, keeper. Keep us on the keeper. Uh, Ortega. Okay. Um, so, so they, they, they sort of have tried to give the impression that, you know, like we are, we're doing the right thing. And, you know, even the, the light money league that come out, you know, would they, were they top, was it? No, City, I think. Or second? Were they? Mm. I think they were top and Madrid was second. I thought they were fifth. No. No, no, it was. It, we we will do a quick Google search now while we're, while we're chatting away. But I'm ninety percent certain that the the recent one that came out. Um, I may be thinking of a different survey, but even still, you know, the the late money league twenty twenty three, we finished third, and Manchester City were top. Right again, that is ahead the, of Real Madrid. You see, that's kind of bizarre. Um, they were claiming this year's revenue was six hundred and nineteen million. Uh, Real Madrid six hundred and four, Liverpool five nine four, Man United five eight three. Um, obviously, given the fact that we played every single game last season, got to the final of three competitions, won two of them, and we were the most watched or the most uh, broadcasted team on television improved our position no end. But, you know, a team that can't fill the stadium, didn't reach cup finals, all right, they won the league, um, but they didn't make the semi-final of the Champions League, if I remember rightly, I can't remember. They maybe did or not. Um they did make the semi-final. Oh, yeah, it was Real Madrid. They, they made the final the year before, but like prior to that... Um, they They've not really not, done well. Not got past the quarters. So, oh, which we... the, 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 the dressing it up and, you know, I think everyone knows 
there's a there's a huge amount of sponsorships at Manchester City, and if you were to do an investigation into where those sponsorships came from, I think they all sort of lead back to one route, and you don't have to be a genius to figure out why that route is. Yeah, it's it's disappointing that essentially this is from the conversation. If we take the conversation to a wider context, Jay, it's a plague on the sport. Um, it reduces competition. It dem- it demeans the sport in my eyes to something that is like sinister, and it 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 means that football itself it's second hand objective. When it comes to these owners, and ultimately, we get a situation where, and listen, you know, we're talking about Newcastle, Manchester City, and 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 PSG here, but you know, Chelsea were the first team to do this, and you know, we've got a situation where Chelsea continue to stockpile players, you know, um, and it's a strategy which they've retained from before these rules really came into place. We've seen what they're doing at the minute with Bully. They were essentially the architects of this approach, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're ever going to stop. <laughs> well, they don't give the impression they're going to stop at the moment. Um, you, yeah, you could argue maybe they were, they were probably the pioneers in, in English football of you know, the mass amounts of money. We, we've always had teams, like, you can go back to, like, you know, back into the 80s when Liverpool were sweeping up players from all around the UK and then into the 90s, you had Jack Walker's Blackburn who were heavily funded um, and did end up winning the league and then, obviously, Manchester United through the majority of the early Premier League years, they were just a step ahead commercially as well. They were, you know, the pioneers of of sponsorship and and globalization of of football and that's where they you know made their coin. Um, but I think once Chelsea and Abramovich came in, was it early two thousands and you know just decided that they were just going to play football manager or championship manager for real and just hoover up players, um, young and old, and you know no no price was ever too big for them. And then, you know, it, it, it sort of, it got scorned upon, but it was just allowed to happen. And then other clubs have tried it, maybe not to the to huge success or maybe not to the, the extent of Chelsea, but Man City have had, they had a couple of ownership groups. And then obviously when, when the current one came into play, it, again, you can't deny what they've done. They've, they've done it a lot more methodically, I think, than Chelsea didn't do it as blatant and just go out there and say, we're having him, 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 and him. They have, you know, tried to be a bit smarter if that was a way of putting it in terms of, you know, recruiting people behind the scenes and, and trying to make it look as though, you know, they were doing it prim and proper. But, you know, it, it, it's been obvious for years. And I think maybe the fact that it's taken four years for this investigation to come out, it just proves probably how big of an operation it has been to collate all the evidence for. Yeah, it's it's a hundred a hundred um allegations, a hundred separate instances of this. Like that that is not something which 
you know, is pulled together in a few months. So it's been very apparent to people. It has been it's been apparent in the entire football world. Um, but although you appreciate that this sort of thing takes time, you, you still do wonder why it's taken as long as it has, don't you? Yeah. Um, you can only imagine it's taken this long because of maybe the the previous sort of allegations that were lodged against them and were taken from leaked emails, which obviously were then, you know, deemed not usable as evidence because they were, you know, tapped into. Um, and the, the case with UEFA was sort of squashed aside and maybe, you know, large sums of money were used to, to come to an agreement and they were given a slap on the wrist and whatever. But maybe that is why it's taken so long that, you know, the the people who are probably dealing with the case have been so meticulous in what they're doing to make sure that stuff like this can't be, you know, thrown out so easily because, you know, if they're proven that money is no object and they'll buy the way through whatever. And if the previous case was a situation where there was a payoff involved or, you know, the, the best of the best lawyers in the game were involved, which meant that, you know, there was a loophole found and so on and so forth that they've literally had to make sure. And that's why it's taken so long. And the thing is, you, you'll, you'll still find that that City themselves will deny it. And City fans and probably even the City manager himself will all deny the fact that anything is actually going on and will lie till the blue in the face that what they're doing is absolutely fine and all legal and above board. And I fully expect now, you know, the, the case that's been presented to them, if it's taken four years to build, it's probably going to take a year or two to at least finalise. And when will... When will the consequences be, you know, dished out? Will it be a case that some of the charges are brought forward and an instant sort of punishment is going to happen? Or, you know, is it going to be a series of punishments? I think, you know, the, the list was put out there that, you know, they could be relegated to National League, they could have titles stripped, they could have transfer bans, huge fines, you know, they could have all sorts of restrictions placed upon them, but when is, when is this going to happen? That's probably the question now on everyone's lips because every football fan, apart from those who support City, or even if you just you know walk around in City tinted glasses, knows what's going on, and it's been no secret. Um, they just want to know when the answers are going to be be revealed now. When if if they get away with it, then it it's an absolute scandal on the game, and I think the game is 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 gone for many. But this would literally kill it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this would be the final nail in the coffin. Um, but look, let's step away from that like foot, <laughs> football apocalypse um, to a potential other football apocalypse. We've got the derby at the weekend, Jay. Like, honestly, could not I be... Got, I'm going to go. It's not the weekend. It's next oh. Monday, so your weekends are fine, people. Oh, my weekend's fine. Okay, grand. You won't have your weekend ruined. Okay. All right, I can enjoy the weekend. Um, it'll just be the whole week the true and then um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um 
like this is the last fixture I want right now. Um, uh, like Frank Lampard was like literally a hundred yards down the street on Sunday in the local. Why I don't know. It's probably because he's married dear morning from here, uh, Blakely, whatever you call her. Um, but that is not where I wanted him to be. Yeah, not no. for the fact that like it's the local. That's a side point, but I did not want him to be there. I wanted him to be rocking up at Anfield on Monday night, bringing his rabble of fucking, um, you know, disenchanted, disenfranchised Everton team with him. And now what we've got is we've got Sean Dice with his Sean Diceness. You know, it's, it's so fucking fitting that they win one nil at the weekend and it's an expert new player that crosses to an expert new player that scores the goal for the expert new manager at Everton. And that just feels like a result and a performance that is going to galvanise that team when we are literally at our lowest ebb. Shimpad Sean is in town. Honestly. As is now known, like him and his bleep tests and his shinies for training. Like... <laughs> Speaking to me, meeting where he was a he's a, he's a level-headed blue. Um, he's a, he's one of the ones where you can actually have a decent conversation with, and you know you'll get honest football opinions out of him. And you can actually is he, one of, the, is he one of the is he one, one of the, the four? Few. Is he one <laughs> yeah. of the four? Um, like you know, I think because we work together every day for so long, we've kind of just accepted the fact that we we have to talk about each other's clubs and be honest with each other. Um, but we did say like months ago and probably like pre-World Cup like if you want to actually get out of this you need to get Dyson and he has a WhatsApp group of like 40 staunch Evertonians that he's in and he was the only one who was calling for Sean Dyson like October um, and come Monday morning he was like look I was proved right by them all <laughs> and what were the rest of them saying like Frank gets the club and Frank shouted at Jürgen is that Kind of, uh, kind of the thing, and then when Frank actually went, he would, you know, a lot of them wanted like the likes of Bielsa, um, because Bielsa plays good football. I mean, you've got to have good footballers to play good football, but you know, you can't have it all unless you're Man City. Um, well, I think actually, did you hear? Did you hear Bielsa was approached? Did you hear what his um his request was? I would manage the under twenty ones because I need time for um, six, for six months for basically the rest of the season. I think yeah, because. He... And then take over. And like for me, I know they're in a relegation battle, but like for me, that's a pretty fucking smart move. You know, that's an actual long term strategic approach. But of course, they wouldn't fucking go for that. No, no. I, I think what they have got, though, if, if we're honest with ourselves, is you've got a man who knows how to keep teams in it's the. It's another Allardyce situation, let's be honest. Yeah, it's on a very basically, tight budget. It's it's basically the same thing. It's another Allardyce situation. They've tried something. It hasn't worked. They've left it really late. And they've had to fucking choose the break glass option, which is who's the guy that can keep us up but we don't give a fuck how shit his football is. And before it was Allardyce, and now it's Sean Dyche. I think, though, he, he has... He's got a record of, of like, Burnley didn't have any money and Everton have got no money. So he, he's, he's perfect for them in that regard. And should they go down, he has managed at that level. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got an opportunity to probably bring them back up. Not 
anytime soon because I think if they did go down, they would really stay down there for a few years. But that's by the by. Um, where we're up to now is, you know, a complete flipping mentality. Uh, when you like, we started off saying like about climbing mountains and then like falling down and into big like dark dark holes. Well, they've literally climbed out of that dark hole on Saturday afternoon and are now popping on that backpack and trotting across Stanley Park with a spring in the step and we are now sat in the dark hole looking going, are they coming yet or not? Um, I genuinely don't want to go to this game because it's just got 1-0 written all over it, one way or the other. Like We are playing turgid football. They will play turgid football. They will play 10 men behind the ball and if Calvert-Lewin's up top with his handbag he'll be running around if it's not him it'll be some other clown up there in the blue shirt running around and throwing himself on the floor you just know exactly what's going to come um, I I just don't want to be involved in this game of football but we're going to have to the only little bit of you know hope I'm clinging to is this literally could be the opportunity to kickstart something if we have got, you know, aforementioned Jota and Van Dijk on the way back. Hopefully Kanata in a few weeks, hopefully Diaz in a few weeks after that. Sometime Bobby Firmino might stop christening people and eventually get back on the football pitch. We yeah, might and Monday, night's, have some, Monday night's not the worst scenario either, Jay, is it? Under the lights, you know, I, I would like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, li- listen. We all, listen. We all know Sunday half four is the fucking key. It's the absolute key. Um, a Monday night is probably a fairly distant second, but it's still a second nonetheless. I would, I would say, I prefer a half five Saturday over the Monday night. But yeah, that's, that's probably fair. It's probably fair. That's just purely, you know, for selfish reasons, and you can, you can enjoy your. You sat like you've literally got to wait all weekend, and this could be a massive letdown. Um, it, it it's depressing talking about this and feeling this way going into a derby, playing a team who were in the bottom three, but that's currently the situation we're in. Well, well, said, well, 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 we're actually we're we're the worst team in the league from from the restart. So yeah, Leicester have got our top scorer. Yeah, I know, I know. It's tragic. It's tragically awful. But yeah, um, you're kind of right. It, you know, it might be the best game for us. It just might be the best game for us, and I get that. Um, we, so we, look, we've got a we've got a little run of you know the derby on Monday. We go to High Fly in Newcastle the following Saturday, half five. You know that little prime time kickoff that we've just spoke about. Yeah, and then we've got going there, is it? And then we've got Madrid at home in the Champions League. Like, you know, it's it's boom or bust really in these three games. Right? Yeah, it's basically three wins or fuck all, isn't it? It's three yeah. wins or fuck or fuck it all off. Yeah, and you know you can, you can only play what's in front of you. You can only try and beat the eleven men that's in front of you. Um, but I think you know a derby does special things, and you know the the is the old cliche: the form book does go out the window. And our phone book at the moment is shocking. So if we could happily toss it out the window and set it on fire while it's going there, that would be great. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Jay, thanks for joining me. Um, until next time. Um, 
of the three Windsor Football Reds. 